uh, after building up the campaign, building up the community of people interested in the product, we managed to raise $250,000 in 56 minutes. The project went on to raise 1.6 million by the end of the actual campaign. So this was really, it was the top three ever funded campaigns coming out of the UK. Um, and this is where I started to create my name. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have we have an amazing guy in the house. His name is Samit, um, Samit Patel. He owns Jupio Marketing Agency and he's kind of a guru, crowdfunding guru, crowdfunding expert. So, um, Samit, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show, first of all. Uh, my name's Samit Patel. For those of you that don't know me, um, people call me the product launch Sifu. I've helped raise over 30 million for all types of products, um, from smartwatches to watches to bags to apps to anything that you can think of. I've helped uh, people launch mega successful businesses. I advise top businesses out in the market as well. So not just small businesses, but also big level top enterprises on how to launch their products to market and create such a big noise that they raise a lot of money, raise a lot of awareness and really just smash it out of the park. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I run a successful agency on the back end of that called Jupio. Um, again, it's just leading to a lot of what I've been helping with. Uh, personally, I speak all over the world. I was recently in an event in Phuket with some real legends of the game. Um, and I think that's how we got introduced. Uh, Aisha was one of the actual students of the event and she connected us. So yeah, great to be here. Yeah, thank you very much, Sammy. It was, it was, yeah, um, I'm very grateful to Aisha for like um, introducing us together and um yeah, and happy days ahead. So if I want to jump in, um, how did you get started in, in this game? So I've, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time. Um, I went through a huge amount of disappointment as well. In, in 2006, I went to university. I came from a very low-income family background. My parents are originally from India, and they moved to the UK. My dad got made redundant from his job. So I was in 2006, I went to university in Queen Mary's. I knew that university wasn't really the path I wanted to go down. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't really know how to get started. 2006 is really where my first entrepreneurial sprint came. I was organizing uh, nightclubs in London. Uh, to make the payments for university because anyone that's been university realizes the con of university, right? You spend so much money paying the universities and you get a piece of paper that doesn't even really get you anywhere in the corporate world. Um, but here we were, I was part of that rubbish that's going on in society. But yeah, so I ended up running nightclubs. Uh, even before I realized it, I was doing a product launch for something even before I started doing it now. So what we would be doing for the nightclubs that we'd be launching, we'd be competing against real big boys. So uh, there's really big company, companies like Ministry of Sound that have a really big brand. And we'd have a small, really small bar. And 
we were thinking, how do we really stand out? We've got very little budgets. We've got very little capacity. We've got very little selling points. So what we decided to do was to do a build-up campaign to the launch of the club night. Three months before, I would be outside every competitor's uh, event and I'd be giving out leaflets to every single person. I'd be chasing people down the street and this is how people ended up knowing me. Um, I also struck up a conversation with people you know usually people are just like handing out leaflets they're not really engaging so i'd be like hey how you doing oh i like that top where where are you going tonight you know you you look kind of good if you're a girl right um or if it's a guy if it's a guy i'll be like yo what university do you go to do you want to make some money so i'd be creating conversations like that i by the end of them three months i ended up creating such a big network of people and by the time the nightclub opened, I, I was really, when the, when the nightclub was about to open, I was like, wow, man, imagine if this all goes wrong. Because any time anyone's ever launched something, you always have that fear moment, right? And this was my fear moment. But do you know what? The hard work paid off because there's a queue around the block. Like, and at nine o'clock, the club didn't open till 10. <laughs> so, and for the next three, four, six months, my name was established and I became the top uh, promoters in London. I was working with the top nightclubs, Cafter Paris, Sway, all the big clubs I was working with. And I was the one, I wasn't a ticket agent where you just get one pound per person. I was the man taking the money at the till. I was the man that was organizing the DJ and all of this. So I was doing that all the way up till about 2009. 2009 is when I graduated as well. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't be talking to 18-year-old girls no more when I'm 21. I, I just didn't have the motivation no more. So I was like, I need to now move on to the corporate world and do something else. So I went through a number of different things. I was working in the travel industry because one of my friends had a travel business. It was a very old-fashioned business. It was a family-run business. I was telling them about the booking engine in 2009, right? even before it became such a big thing. Um, but because they were a family run business, they were very stuck in their ways. So they were not willing to do anything. Then I ended up going through, I went to work for a like hair and beauty shop. I, I'm not even, I didn't know anything about women's hair, but I ended up connecting with some guys and they were like, look, man, this is a way to make money. And I ended up working with the wrong guys. I also ran a social media company once social media started taking off, but the business partner that was involved in actually ended up pushing me out of the company. So it was, it was 2015. I was really, I was at the end of my entrepreneurial journey. I felt like I've done it all. I tried everything. I was really nowhere, nowhere. I was losing all hope. I was just like, this is not going. And I also had my old business partner actually trying to sue me as well. Um, he sent the police to my house and all sorts. It was just becoming too crazy. And you can imagine the pressure at that point, right? So I was like, this is just crazy. Um, so the turning point was really uh, an accident that happened to my brother. My brother, he's, the, he's younger than me. He's six foot tall, really muscly, gets all the girls. And there's also an eye, he's, he's also an eye doctor, right? So if if you're an, if you have an asian parent they always want you to be three things either doctor lawyer or any of these high professions 
Um, and I was neither of them things. So my parents really looked up to my brother. Um, he went on holiday to Turkey and got into a really uh, serious accident. It was a one of them life or death mo no, moments. He ended up surviving that. But during that point, I was really conflicted because I was like, if something happens to him, I have to be the breadwinner. I couldn't even afford to pay for the flight to go and see him. That's how broke I was at that point. And I was really broken and that really cut me up. I had to borrow money from my parents. I was around 28 years old at this point. Most of my friends had a lot of money. Um, they were in stable jobs. They were getting their life together. I was nowhere. I had no girlfriend, no house. I was living at home, no money in the account. I had debts, everything that you can imagine. And I was just out of it. And this is the moment that really changed my life. It just made me turn things around. I was like, okay, you know what? I, I, need, to, I need to reset myself. And I was always interested in startups, but I didn't know really how to get involved. Um, I managed to find a website for jobs for startups. Um, I sent off one CV to one company that I thought looked really good. Uh, they responded back to me. I went in for an interview. They said they'll let me know, but they, they didn't get back. So I, I chased them up. I said, look, man, what's going on, man? I really want to work for this company. I really want to work for this company. I even told them, look, if they were, they said your experiences, you've got a lot of experience, right? But like, we can't afford to pay you this money. I said, I'll work for free or just get me in there. That's, that's what I told them. Um, and that was the, the modular smartwatch that I was working on. It's a modular smartwatch is a smartwatch that's built like Lego. So the, oh. the, th the thinking behind it was rather than keep upgrading devices, because now we are upgrading our mobiles every, every year we're upgrading all these things. So the thinking was that this is going to happen to smartwatches, right? And people, that's why they created this. They were like, let's create a better smartwatch that you can upgrade. I was involved in the marketing campaign for that. I was involved in building up the campaign. I, what year was this? Uh, 2015. Yeah, 2015, I think. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was involved in building up that campaign. It was September 2015. Uh, we launched a product in October of 2015. Uh, after building up the campaign, building up the community of people interested in the product, we managed to raise $250,000 in 56 minutes. The project went on to raise 1.6 million by the end of the actual campaign. So this was really, it was the top three ever funded campaigns coming out of the UK. Um, and this is where I started to create my name. Um, but it wasn't really until I did a lot more campaigns that people actually trusted me because if you do it once people think, okay, maybe it's a fluke. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I did it again. I did it again for a very niche product that didn't have any following. It was a very niche skiing product. And we did 300,000 for that, which was a record for that industry. And then I continuously did it. Um, and now over the years I've managed to raise over 30 million for fully managed campaigns. So fully managed campaign is taking a product from, you know, if someone goes, I've created a mug, for example, then you think of the marketing message, you create the landing page, you create the email communication, you think of the photography, the videography, everything. 
So yeah, that's because, what we've done. Because I was going to go there and say, now you've 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 gotten all this because, like I said on our pre-interview chat, when I was, I did an interview some days some some weeks ago about two guys <clears throat> who actually launched um, an app, and they like they smashed it, and they were going for a hundred grand minimum on on one of these platforms, and they smashed ninety grand in nine in less than ten days. Mm. You get so, but now they are. They're fully and let me say oversubscribed now. So, what are the steps that needs to be if you if I want to go like from zero to a hundred? What are the steps that needs to be done? Yeah, I think I think first you've got to understand your situation, right? A lot of people who have great ideas, some of them are stuck into this mentality of quitting their day jobs. Um, but I'm a firm believer you can balance your day job and also pursue your goals as a side hustle until it becomes your main hustle. A lot of the guys, they don't realize, they think, and it also affects their mentality because they end up thinking too much bootstrapping. Sometimes there's a formula to things. So the formula is you need to build up a num- you need to build up some leads before you decide to launch your product. People interested in buying your product And the way to do this is by spending on digital marketing, Facebook, Google, YouTube ads, all of these ads to actually build up whether people would buy your product or buy your app or buy something from your business. You can even apply this to a cake shop. If you're going to open a cake shop, for example, rather than just having no signage, have launching soon, go onto our Instagram or go onto our website and get a free coupon for a free cupcake on the day of launch all you have to do is register your email right having a bit of signage rather than just having just people seeing the building works going on if people are building up properly then you're gonna succeed but a lot of people what they do they come up with a business idea they say hey today i'm gonna launch this book and then they just sell it to their friends and family and they don't get a very nice pipeline the importance is the pipeline you have a if you have your friends and family then you also have a lot of other people then you're going to have a very strong pipeline a very nice long tail of sales every single day if you just decide to launch your business today and you haven't done that then you're going to get one or two sales in your first day through friends and family but then you're going to struggle for sales after that right so this is these are some of the key things build a community before before even launching uh so this is really important okay great what so when you build when you build your community so what's what's the next step so building your community uh so you've got to nurture your your community through the leads that you've built a lot of people forget about nurturing them so once you've built people that are interested say you're interested in my mug i've created right yep then you need to educate you why why this mug is so great so this is done through email campaigns this is done through social media remarketing the messaging this mug can warm up your water any time of the day right or this mug is indestructible you can throw it on the floor and it will never break so you've got to be communicating why people need to buy this mug Initially, they signed up because they were interested in the product you have created, but you need to maintain the communication. 
Also, I feel the easiest way nowadays is a lot of people try and attach a brand to their company. But the reason I stood out in my industry was because I just said, look, I'm Samit Patel. I'm the guy. People started to know me in the industry. So even if you're creating an app, a mug or whatever you're creating, why not put a face behind it? Help people learn who you are rather than just being a brand. People are more, if you communicate with your people and tell them, look, this is my name. My name's Samet. I've created this mug because I truly believe that the mugs in the world are really useless. Create a connection, create a bond between the person who has signed up. You're going to end up being much more successful, right? Think about it. If you had a, if the product was the same, if there are two mugs on the market, exactly the same, all the features are exactly the same, but you know me, and then you've got another mug created by another brand. Are you going to buy the mug from me or the brand? Definitely you, because I know yeah, you. Exactly like that. So this is, this is what a lot of people fail to do. So creating the leads before you launch. So people interested in the product, not just relying on friends and family. This is the one biggest thing I've noticed. The, the amount of people that say, oh yeah, I've got about 80, 90 friends and family who are going to buy and support me on day one. And the amount of people that turn up on day one, guess, guess how much of that 90 people turn up on day one. Zero <laughs> percent. Let me say 1% family and friends. It's, you know what? I've seen some people that have zero because no one turns up for them. And that, that's what you'll find out. In my early days, when I set up my first company, which was a travel company, my auntie wouldn't support me. She would, she would think she was smarter and I would be giving her the, the plane tickets at cost price, right? I wouldn't be charging any markups mm -hmm. and I'd be giving it to her for free because I was like, this is my family. I need to look after her. But she thought she was smarter and she'd, be, she'd book it from elsewhere. And I was like, that doesn't make no sense. I'm getting it for the exact, I'm getting it cheaper, but yeah. still you decide to buy it from elsewhere. But this is what happens in our communities, you know, Indians, Africans, everywhere. Yeah. People just don't support us. Whereas other communities, there's a lot more support that goes on. Oh, and I was thinking the grass was greener on the other side. I was thinking we're just only Africans or Caribbeans that don't do that. I was thinking that more Indians or Asians, they like actually like support each other back to back. No, no, I, did, I, did, I, I did a launch. Um, I, did, I opened a store uh, in Nigeria, in Lagos, like about four or five years ago. And I did a launch. The actual people that actually came from friends and family were like three. <laughs> and it was only one of them that actually bought a sports shirt from me. And it was the son. His son was like, Daddy, I want this, I want this, I want this, that's why. So I I I totally understand what you're saying. So is there like is there like a minimum time frame to like to start nurturing or on your opinion and why? So yeah, I'll just get back to your previous point. Yeah, Asian community, there's a lot of jealousy that goes on, right? People people don't want to be you to be doing better than them. So even if they're in a job, there's, there's a lot of people go, oh, wow, this is so great what you're doing. It's so great. But behind closed doors, they're envy. Envy is a big thing in all communities. Yeah. It's seeing other people doing better than you or it's 
I don't know what it is, but I think it's in our genetic makeup, but we're generally like that as people. Like I, I was like that very early on uh, in my career. I always wanted to be better. It's also a competitive drive as well, if applied in the right ways. But now I've become much more supportive because you find out that actually the, entrep- the people that are entrepreneurs, they realize once they get to a particular point, it's about helping each other, helping people connect with each other. So we connected because of Aisha, right? And yeah. I connected with the Aisha because of another person. So it's like once you get to a particular point, it's a case of how do we help each other grow? Um, so what, what was the question that you just asked? Yeah, the question was, um, is there like a minimum time frame of nurturing? Why is that? Yeah, so as soon as you generate a lead, you should be nurturing from that point onwards. Um, Think about it. How many times does someone sign up to something? How many times does someone uh, engage with something? So as soon as someone signs up, you've got to be communicating with them. Send them a welcome email. Send them a week uh, email every week thereafter, educating them around the product. Um, Push them into VIP groups. A lot of people are pushing people into Facebook VIP groups. So you can tell them, hey, guys, thank you for liking my mug. Why don't you join my Facebook VIP group and we can share ideas. Most of the successful brands that we've created, we've created these groups and people end up talking between themselves because they're so passionate about this area. We recently did a project for people who have beards. It's a beard straightener. Um, And this community grew massive because Everyone was talking about how they had problems with their beards and how they were trying to get their beards very nice. And we use that language in actually our marketing. So you also learn a lot from these VIP groups. So if you create these Facebook groups, you can learn a lot about your ideal customer. You can also validate your ideas even before you create it. You can validate them. So if you're creating this mug, you may think it's a great idea. Friends and family might be telling you it's a great idea. But once you start advertising, you you might have these people say, this mug is ridiculous. This is a crazy idea. That's the way you validate it then. Yeah, this is this is part of the validation process. So if you if people are signing up, then that generally means people are interested. If people are coming back with feedback like this is rubbish or this is crazy, or you know, they're not giving you too much positive feedback, there's always going to be trolls, but if majority of your feedback is relevant feedback, then it's something for you to look at and reapply. Um, but most of the time, once you funnel people into the VIP group, that's when you get a lot more helpful tips on how to actually make changes. And it's led to products actually making small changes that's led to a lot more money. Because initially you have this idea, you have what you want to create, but it's what you want. It's not what the consumers want. So this also plays a part in nurturing because the people actually feel like that, hey, you know, maybe Apple isn't using me to build the ideas, but Samit is actually using my ideas to create even better product. And they actually feel part of it. And they're much more likely to actually tell their friends, family, all of these people to buy your product because they'll be like, oh yeah, I know this mug that I created. I actually was told them to change it from black to red and they actually made the red version. So like that, 
you know, and then this is this is a good way for you to get a lot of feedback and actually let people enjoy your products. Yeah, good. So does the size of see say 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 you start building you start building your community now and you have an end game in um, on, on, on site. Say you're going for say half a million pounds crowdfunding. So no, let me scale it down a little bit. A yeah. hundred grand. Yeah, you're going for a hundred grand. So now you've started like getting your leads, nurturing them, um, push them towards your VIP stuff so that they'll start communicating with each other. What, what what are the next steps? Do you just go for the go for the sale straight away or just like do you like inform them in hand or what do you do? Yeah, so it depends on how expensive the product is. If the product is around uh, $49 to about $89, then it's generally, um, all of them things that I mentioned would be enough to actually generate the, the sale, right? But if, if the product is a bit more expensive, then you might need to, uh, maybe a new strategy that we've been using is actually collecting a $7 deposit from them. So even before you sell the product, you tell them, look, why don't you pay a $7 deposit and this will be taken off your final amount as well as we'll refund you whatever if you choose to cancel at any time. But this is a way to actually further validate your idea. The way to take them from uh, once you've nurtured your lists. So if you're looking to, to get 100,000, we generally recommend spending around $20,000 in ad spend. So this $20,000 should get you to 100,000, which is a 5x return. That's really good, right? Um, but then it depends on, sometimes we've seen products that have gone 15x returns. Like they've done really well. Like if it's a really viral product, then it can do amazingly well on a very small budget. A lot of the times it all depends on how exciting your product is, how, how much people really want it, how much nurturing you've done. Um, a lot of the times now you see a lot of people, they have a long-term plan as well. Um, so that that prepared to break even on what they're launching because they realize that actually it's, if I, if I collect this one person once, I can keep selling them a lot of the times. So a lot of these uh, leaders and people in the space who are selling books and products and educational tools and all of these things are getting people in really cheap. So they say, Hey, just pay for the shipping fee of this book and I will give you this book for free. So they ship that book, then they become part of the cycle. And then they probably, they might not upsell straight away, but maybe once they've read the book or they educated themselves three months, four months, five months, six months, they end up buying things. And I'm the same. I, I educate myself. So a lot of the people that I ended up learning from, I've bought lower end products just to see whether what they're saying is adding value. Mm -hmm. Then I end up actually buying stuff later on. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy seems to know a lot about what he's talking about. I see his ads everywhere. Maybe there's something I'm missing. So I go and buy his ads and I pay a lot more money. So it's, it's all about creating these funnels and working out your funnel, working out what you're looking to do. A lot of people come in with the unrealistic expectations that like, oh, I want to, I've got a budget of 10,000. I want to raise half a million. 
but the the maths doesn't work and this is when they actually end up getting cheated by people or they end up using services which don't deliver results um and is what what we have to deal with all the time you in this world you're never going to get something that if something sounds too good to be true it genuinely is right typically yeah, you spoke about i really i i really like the the lifetime value that you spoke about of a customer so now you know now you've collected your leads now you know so you need to like understand your budget and understand your situation understand your budget towards um towards your towards your end goal okay and does so do you do you need any government regulations to like get funded or so there's different types of crowdfunding available um if you're doing a rewards based crowdfunding rewards based crowdfunding is straightforward uh they work rewards based is where you're selling the mug and they pre-buy the mug and then six months year two years later you send them the mug in return like that so you can sell anything you can sell any physical product you can even sell an ebook or anything um the equity equity based crowdfunding is where people invest in your company so this 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 is a different type of crowdfunding this is more um it's based on revenues that you've generated. So if you can show actual revenues of your company and then you can buy equity or you can buy shares in the company before they go on. So the platforms are Crowdcube and Cedars. These are equity examples. So, do, so is, there, is, is, there a different, is there a different strategy for, don't you say, um, a physical product like a mug or to an app, which is like a digital product? Is there... Is there, is there different? The strategy strategy is exactly the same. I've used this strategy on lots of different things. Uh, We, we did an app launch that raised half a million as well. And that that's the highest funded app on Kickstarter ever. Um, So it's the same, same sort of concept, but just think about it, right? People are very used to buying, uh, getting apps for free at the moment. So it's got, it's got to be really well thought out. Why would someone buy this app? Um, or why would someone buy this piece of software? So what you can do is you can pre-package it. Um, there's sites like AppSumo, which is very similar to crowdfunding. What they do is you can create an app or a, a software and here you would pre-sell it. So rather than having a monthly subscription of $99 you'd say look just buy this and I will give you this product for $99 um so you're pre you're pre getting all these community built up hmm. so what is the what so um after getting to this level of um now you are launching your now you're launching your product or you're launching your yeah to be funded do you, what are your steps? Do you need other steps or just keep marketing? Yeah, once once the bowl starts rolling, if, if you raise 100,000 after spending 20,000, then you know that you're getting a 5x return. Then it's just a case of spending as much money behind it to just keep scaling. And that's how you actually take that 100,000 to a million and beyond. Because by then, your your product's going viral. Your product's doing really well. You're getting a lot of momentum. 
you also get the crowd mentality because people actually think, oh, wow, you know, this must be a great product. Maybe I should invest in it. So that's what happens. You get a lot of people end up having that fear of missing out, right? Yeah, the fear of missing out is making people that because it's monkey see, monkey do anyway. So that's that that's when that's when you also get your friends and family. Because by that once you succeed, then they're like, Oh yeah, then they get involved because then they want to tell you, Hey, remember that time I supported you? Yeah. Oh yeah. That then they if you if you have zero and then they don't support you, then it's nothing to them. Exactly. But they, that that is my sentiment as well because Friends and family, they they know you, they've seen you fail so many times, so they don't even... But until you have this proof of concept and they see your attraction and momentum, then they start jumping in and say, yeah, oh, I think he's really got something. I think he's got something. He's up to something there. So, yeah. That is my... I feel what you're saying there, Samit. I feel what you're saying there. So, then, then again, you mentioned like... A few years ago, you had your what? What? What was your biggest success in crowdfunding? Um, so the first one was a big success, but after then we had a uh, kids smartwatch that did really well again. Before that, kids smartwatches didn't raise anything. People didn't even realize that you could launch children's products on crowdfunding. They thought it's very a tech community, or it's very, it's not for them. Um, but that ended up raising around 2 million. We also did a set of headphones, uh, which raised 1 million. So we've done, we've done many different campaigns in different niches. Some of them don't even, some of them don't sound so big because it's not monetary value big, but it depends on the industry, right? For a kid's product to raise that amount of money is huge because mm-hmm. people, before that kids products only raised about 20,000 or less or people didn't even think that you could raise it so we came in and smashed it out of the park and raised millions for it and now everyone wants to do these kids products because we've we've opened showed them the way it's like that guy who ran the marathon in in really short time people Mm -hmm. thought it wasn't possible but now everyone thinks okay it's possible so they're going to push themselves right so this is the same thing as well. It's the same thing in crowdfunding. We've been the blaze runners for a lot of different products in certain industries. We are now talking to a lot of enterprises. So a lot of bigger companies, uh, companies like Xiaomi, companies that you'd think wouldn't be interested in crowdfunding. Because a lot of people think crowdfunding is just for people who have no money. Mm-hmm. But a lot of big brands are doing crowdfunding. Uh, Panasonic did a crowdfunding campaign just recently and they raised about 6 million for one of them. Panasonic is huge. So what do you think? Why, why, why would they do such a thing? It's, it's another avenue for marketing, right? It's, it's another new channel for them to launch something to market because they're looking for the next big excitement to, to get that community energized because They've been around for such a long period of time. For them, it's so difficult to grow. They, they're struggling to work out how to grow, right? They're, all they're doing is just continuously generating the same levels of revenue. But to their stockholders, shareholders, they have to show growth. So they're interested in testing out new avenues. They're, always usually, they're not usually the first to it, but they're, they're there after a couple of years. 
Um, but they're constantly looking for new ways to innovate and stay ahead of the curve because they've realized now that a lot of the companies that don't innovate or don't use these new ways are actually falling behind. Wow, great. You know, you know, you, you know we're not going to go until you tell us what is, what, let's see, what was your biggest flop? What was the biggest launch that really flopped? Give us now, give us now. Yeah, so the first, within the first year, uh, we did a project. It was a running shoe. Uh, the company, it was, it was one of the first Chinese companies that we worked with. Um, the problem that we had was the communication. So they were eight hours forward and the founder was really he just wouldn't communicate. It would, we would message him something and it would take a, a week or two for him to come back. Um, but at that early stage, when you're looking to grow your business, you're like, you, you take on business because mm -hmm. you're, you need that money to run. So you're not really questioning and working out whether the product is the right fit. But that was actually one of our, that was one of our failures because they, they launched the campaign. There's a couple of things that the client has to do. Uh, they have to click launch on the campaign. So we did a whole warm-up campaign. We sent the emails out to the mailing list saying, hey guys, we're going to be launching at 11 a.m. this time. Make sure you don't miss out. On the day of the event, we got up really early to make sure everything was in place. Uh, we were messaging the client, hey, uh, just to remind you, we're going to be launching at this time, just to remind you. The client, guess what time they turned up? <laughs> what time? Two o'clock. They t turned up at two o'clock. Was it because of the time difference? So no, no. It just they just they messaged. Go, oh, sorry, we forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Three three hours later than the time that was set. Like we were just like, what's what's going on, right? This was this was years ago. Um, the project, the project ended up raising 60,000. And again, the client had changed the, the budget for the projects. So they had raised it to 70,000. And we were like, why did you do that? That's such an odd number. Make, we always tell clients to set the number uh, really low. So that way it encourages the crowd mentality. And even if you raise some money, you don't completely lose out. So the project ended up raising 69,000. It missed out by... 1000 to actually get funded because with Kickstarter, if you don't get all the amount, then your project is a failure. Oh, so you must get, you must get everything to, to a single penny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That, that was, that was, it was a learning curve, you know? Um, and a lot of the times, sometimes products fail because the strategies change or Facebook changes or something changes or, Sometimes a competitor launches the same product maybe a month before or a week before and takes up all your customers, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, this is another way that you can potentially fail. But this, this year, we have a 100% record of products that are funded. So we're doing really well. We've put in all these checks in place. So the validation, the deposit scheme, these are all ways for us to make sure that products are succeeding. So these are things that have been learned based on failure. If we didn't make them failures, then we wouldn't have learned how to improve our system. So day in, day out, what I do is learn about product launches and I am perfecting that system. 
Wow, that's great. So if I if I if if I want to like if I want to launch a product now, I go through these steps. Definitely. Oh, because there's nothing guaranteed anyways, I know, but but you increase the chances of getting good traction to your to getting crowdfunded. Yeah, if you do the system as as I've said it, there's I reckon there's a, probably a one two percent chance that you'd fail now because it's got so many checks in place. If people aren't interested, they wouldn't even pay you a deposit. Hmm. So if you're really concerned that you're going to fail or you're really unsure of what you've created, get some money from them even before you actually start selling the product. Ask them for $1. If people pay $1 for something that you are advertising, like the mug example, if, hey, look, this mug is unbreakable, pay me $1. And if people start paying you $1, then you know it's something that people want. If people aren't, if you, if you don't advertise it, you can work out nowadays. We're in a great, glorious time where people can very easily advertise on Facebook. They can spend a couple of thousand and they can work out their returns. A lot of the times we do a lot of drop shipping. We, we test so many different products. Not every product is going to give you that great ROI, but it's that one product that you test will give you a great ROI. That's wonderful. So say someone is listening to us now and they have this idea to launch a product. How would they like be more educated with you or through you? Or how can you educate them more? Yeah. So I've got a bunch of free resources that people can use. Um, they can go to my website, summitpatel.net um, or just type into Google Summit Patel crowdfunding. Um, I've also got a book on Amazon that goes through Facebook advertising. So it's from the very basics of Facebook advertising all the way to advanced level. It's very easy. It's a playbook. So it's got screenshots, images. It explains it in such an easy way. People have really commented on how great this book is at explaining how to do Facebook ads. It's also got a bone. It's got a chapter on Indiegogo as well, which is one of the crowdfunding platforms and yeah. how you can launch on there. Um, in a couple of months, I'm also launching a book. The title is still in the works, but it's, it's one of the problems I had when I was younger. I wanted to find out the ways to make some additional cash or additional revenue. So what I've created is I've gone to the experts in different fields and I've created a book with hundreds of ideas on how to generate money. So it's got ideas from drop shipping to copywriting to Facebook ads to creating your own agency to trading on Forex to trading on Bitcoin. It's got all these different experts and it's people that I know through my connections that I can vouch for as well. Um, because when I was young, I spent a lot of money on courses that didn't deliver value. You'd mm -hmm. end up buying these things and they would get you nowhere. Um, so this is a book that I'm looking to launch soon. So if anyone's interested, uh, again, go through my website and uh, just uh, drop me a note and I, I will let you guys know once it's live. Okay, great. So you guys have heard, you heard from, from the guy who has done it and who is still doing it and 
crushing the numbers there. So Summit, um, I just want to say thank you for being part of this the Diaspora Entrepreneurs um, podcast. Yeah, one more thing. What are your favorite tools that you use for your day-to-day um, business? Um, I love using Basecamp. Basecamp is a project management tool that allows you to very easily see who, what clients you're working on or what tasks you have to do in a day. Um, great tool. Another one I love is GMAS. GMAS is a way to uh, mass mail people um, and track whether they're opening or receiving these emails as well. Um, there's also another one called LinkedIn Helper. I think it's still around, but this enables you to message people automatically on LinkedIn to generate yourself leads. And one last one I'll leave you with is Mizo AI. So M-I-Z-O-A-I.com. This is a tool that is brilliant. It will help you guide you through building up landing pages at scale. So you, every time you have an idea, you can create these landing pages and it will also give you ways to drive leads as well. So it has inbuilt tools that automatically generates you leads for your product. So this is something you can use very early on to actually test whether your product is good for a very limited amount of funds that you spend. So, so it's so, yeah, so it's Mizo, M-I-Z-O-A-I.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll take a look at that. And um, yeah, thank you very much again for being part of us. And um, you've given us such such great information and a step-by-step walkthrough to get your product launched or to get funded on um, being, being it physical product or um, what's it called? Digital product. Using these steps, you can actually get more traction and get your product off the scale of the ground. So thank you very much, Samit, and um, take care. Pleasure being here. Thank you again for having me on the podcast. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. I have a free bonus that I would like to give to you, a free ebook. You know, you can't do everything without getting a proper mind, your mind right. So I have this developing uh, developmental clarity ebook. It's free. So the link is below. So you just click on it and download it straight away instantly. You get it on your inbox and just start getting your mind right to because. 80% of winning is your mindset. So I'm on a journey right now of creating a bulletproof mindset. And uh, I wish you I wish you do the same as well. So it's a free ebook that I've um, that I've written. So you can download it for free. The link is below. Also subscribe to the podcast for latest episode. Whatever we do in the community, you will be the first to know. We have great things that are coming up. So stay tuned.